section of scripture in the book of Exodus. Exodus means exits. That's pretty simple. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to make an exit. It's a book of Exodus. It means exit. And it's a, I want to read the whole thing um, for you because you have to get the, you need to understand what's going on, but I'll, I'll move quickly through it. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And this is the New King James Version. The Bible said, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, this is the story of Moses, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him and Daubed, the, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and she put the child in it. That ought to sound familiar to some of you. And she laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off. That would have been Miriam. Um, no, that, that was Moses' sister. And then Aaron was also his brother. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked alongside the river. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Only God could write a story like this. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Look at that. Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. And then quickly to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. The ESV reads like this, but by faith... When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, or one translation says favored. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, everybody say, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, everybody say, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of of Pharaoh's daughter. And I'm going to preach to you for a little while this morning on this. This scripture jumped out to me this week. Not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Say that with me. Say, not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise before you're seated. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I appreciate you standing. Mothers say some peculiar things. I can remember just a few of them. They go like this. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. 
One of my favorite, when I was a little boy, I was quite mischievous. My mother used to say as she was spanking me, do you want me to give you something to cry about? Do you not see that I'm already crying? Another one that mothers would say is, were you raised in a barn? Then some mothers will say this, especially when they're irritated, you definitely got this from your father's side. Don't talk with your mouth full. Don't walk away when I'm talking to you. I ought to get a whole lot of amens right now. Do you think I'm made out of money? If that were a snake, uh, I got some mothers that have said that. That's right. It would have bitten you. One of my favorite, look at me when I'm talking to you. You better wipe the smile off of your face before I do it for you. A mother can strike terror in your heart. They can cause a traumatic response. Nothing is greater than a mother's love, but nothing is greater than her wrath either. We teach this church that you should fear the Lord. That's good Bible teaching. But to fear your mother is just common sense. Jesus said to his mama, woman, why do you involve me? It's not my time. I would say this, that number one, you're not Jesus. And don't try this at home. But countless women through time and eternity have exhibited this indomitable characteristic of being a mother. Many of them here today. Women, the Bible says that obtain promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. They had their dead children raised to life. They overcame insurmountable odds and achieved greatness. And I know today that my message is primarily to mothers, but I want to say to all the women in this building, I salute you and I thank you for your indomitable spirit that continues even this day. Let's give all the women a hand clap this morning. And I say to all the men that are trying to flex and have some bravado that you didn't get here without a woman. The Bible tells us in Genesis that the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And I say, thank God for the women in this church. I just found out a statistic here last week that there's more women in this church than men, so I wouldn't get too cocky about it. 
I read an article about a mother in Colorado who just saved her five-year-old son by prying open a mountain lion's mouth after it attacked her child. The mother heard screams and raced outside near her house in Aspen, and she found that animal on the top of that little boy. The boy suffered face and head and neck injuries and was in fair condition in Denver. And this unidentified woman, the article said she grabbed one of the animal's paws and she stuck her hand in its mouth and pried it open and freed her son's head. The mother had bite marks on her hands and scratches on her legs. But my question is, what did the lion look like? I'm going to tell you, there ain't nothing like a mama. There ain't nothing as tenacious, as passionate as a woman that has the hand of God. I say thank God for that. I bet when the lion got back to camp, he said, whatever you do, stay away from that house. There's not going to be easy prey and easy pickings down there because there's a mama that is watching over her babies. Uh, There's a mama that's watching over her children. I say thank God for the power and the love of our mothers. If it would have been some of you husbands, she would have let you eat it. But Mother's Day is not just about flowers and dresses and cooking and all of those accolades. There are women in this building this morning that are passionate about God. There are women that are fierce in their devotion. They are fierce in their conviction towards God. And you don't have to look very far. Just go to the Bible and you will see them instant after instant after instant. The one that comes to mind is that judge by the name of Deborah. The Bible says in Judges chapter 5 and verse 6, And in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through the byways, and the inhabitants of the villages ceased. But I, Deborah, arose in the first person with first-hand experience. She said, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to do something. I'm not just going to sit by and just let something happen. Let me put my hair up. You hold my purse. I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. There is something powerful about women that will rise up when the need is present. The Bible says that the highways were abandoned and the winding paths and the villagers would not fight, but God used Deborah. Somebody shout Deborah. Deborah. Somebody shout a mother. God raised her up. She took a stand when everything was against her, when her back, I'm preaching to somebody this morning, when her back was against the wall and she didn't know where she was going to turn and she didn't know how it was going to work out. God raised her up and made her a mighty force to contend with. I thank God for mothers that have the spirit of Deborah. (laughs) 
She arose. She took a stand. Rise up, mothers, women of God. Rise up when the world makes its bid. Rise up when your back is against the wall. Then it seems like you got more problems than you got solutions. I will tell you to rise up. Don't just sit there complacent with your arms folded. Rise up and trust the Lord that he will give you the victory. Somebody shout, he'll give me the victory. Thank you, Sister Powell. I know some of y'all look all cute this morning. But I know some of y'all are wild. Some of y'all are warriors. Some of you are fierce. Some of you are determined. Here's what I'm preaching to you today. Quite simply, don't just sit by and take life's circumstance as they come. You might be sitting in the natural, but rise up in the spiritual and do what God is calling you to do. It might be difficult. It might be hard. There might be problems on every hand, but don't just sit by. Let God use you and raise you up. The Bible said in Song of Solomon, who is she that looks fair as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, terrible as an army with banners, fierce, passionate, determined. Now, some of you say, well, I'm, I'm not that way. Yes, you are. Because when you see a sale at Target... You get, all, you get all excited about it. You see a sale somewhere and it's two for one. You get all, oh, oh man, I got to run over to Dillard's. I got to run to Target. I, they got, there's a special sale going on. I want to tell you, you are passionate, but we need to be passionate about God. We need to be fierce about the things of God. We need to be fierce about our families. Now, I don't, I don't know about generational curses. I don't, know, I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a theological precedent for that. But there is an interesting scripture found in 2 Chronicles 22 and 3. And Ahaziah, whose mother was Athaliah, son, also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. For his mother was his counselor. In doing wickedly. That's unbelievable to me. That his mother was a counselor to do wickedly. I will say to you today that you have generational influence. And while that, that is a negative perspective, if you can have generational influence, then you can have generational faith. Because Paul's words to young Timothy said this, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that that faith 
is also in you. I want to tell you, don't speak death. Don't speak lifelessness. Speak faith to your children. Speak faith to the future. Speak hope in the possibilities that God is going to work it out in the end. Clap your hands if you believe me today. There's power in your faith. Paul said to Timothy, the faith that was in your grandmother. Everybody say my grandma. Abuela. I got to throw in all my Spanish to y'all today. Not abuelo. Abuela. The faith that was in her. I want you to get it. That faith was also in Timothy's mother. And that faith that was in her was also in Timothy. You know what I want to pass on more, more than money, more than a gun, more than any of those things? I want to tell you, I want faith to be passed on from generation to generation to generation. I don't want doubt. I don't want unbelief. I don't want negativity. I don't want criticism. I don't know, no, no. I say pass on some faith in our kids and in our families. Come on, somebody, clap your hands to the Lord. You can do that. You can. You can pass it on. You can pass on hope and dreams. Let, let, me, let me give you some good, good advice. We've raised, we've raised three children in this church. I want to tell you, you have power to speak life over them. You have power to speak hope over them. You have power to speak encouragement over them. And I, let me just say this. Some of you may be sitting here and your kids are not sitting beside you today. Don't you give up. I said, don't you give up. Don't you stop believing. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop confessing. Don't you stop trusting God. You keep on believing. You keep on having faith. You keep on being steadfast. You keep on keeping on. Pass that on to your children. Tell them. With God, you can do anything. Don't say, well, you know, you sorry, you lazy. They'll live up to that. Y'all gonna be quiet, so we're gonna be here a while. Your kids will live up to whatever you speak over their life. If you tell them they're sorry, they're never gonna amount to anything. You're sorry just like your grandfather or your grandmother and your great-grandmother, they'll live up to that. No, not on my watch. We're gonna speak life. We're gonna speak hope. We're gonna speak peace. That faith is transferable. It is. That faith is transferable. Raise your hands right now in this place. Hallelujah.
Say, well, I didn't have that. You can be that. The roast is going to burn today. I said, you can be that. It's only 1135. I'm preaching fast and y'all are responding slow. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I'm telling you, you can be that. You can be that. You can, how do you know? Because you're looking at somebody that can testify. You can be that. You can be the catalyst for change. You can be the reason your children go to school and live for God and change the world and become missionaries. You can be that voice. You can. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. I'm telling you the truth. This text, now think about this for a minute. I want you to think about this. Pharaoh charged all the people, every son that is born, you shall cast them into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. I want to say, listen to pastor. Pharaoh is still saying, cast them in the river. The spirit of this age is still saying, throw them all away. But not here. Not here. I come to serve notice. We're not throwing our children away. We're not throwing our babies away. We're not giving up on them. We're going to, I need, I need some people that's going to stand in the gap. We're not throwing our children away here. We're not throwing them away. And commanded that all the newly born Hebrew boys be thrown into the Nile River. Imagine that. The king said, throw them all in the Nile River. The horror of that crocodile-infested Nile River. All of a sudden, this woman who is obscure in the text, Jehochebed was her name. This mother of the faith, she said, the scripture said when she saw her child, when she saw the favor of the Lord, she hid him three months. I want to tell you, mothers, I want to tell you something ought to rise up in our spirit. Whether you're a, a spiritual mother or you're a biological mother or you feel a, a motherly role, I want to tell you the best thing you can do is hide. I've said this at baby dedication. I said it two or three weeks ago. The best thing we can do is put our children in the house of the Lord. The best thing we can do is make sure they're in every single service, every single youth service, every single children's crusade. She hid him for three months. We need a whole lot of moms that'll do whatever it takes. School teachers and counselors and confidants and gym teachers and coaches. This Jehochebed, this mother of the faith said, you cannot have my children. Not today, not tonight, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. I got a question for you today. How do you hide a crying baby? How do you hide a crying baby? I'll tell you how you do it. You do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes. She hid baby Moses in her house 
And I want to tell you that's some of the greatest advice I can give you is plant your life in the house of God. Plant your family in the word of God. Plant your life in the wisdom of God. Planet, 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 planet. Have the spirit of Jehochabed. Plant them, protect them against all of the evil that is in our world today. And the Bible says that when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark and she placed him in the Nile River. Where did she get that idea from? I think somehow God whispered to her, remember Noah. Place that child in that river and trust that a good God is going to serve you and take care of you. But the scripture that jumped out to me this week was found in Hebrews. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused. Somebody shout, refused. Now that was pretty weak. Somebody shout, refused. That's, that's better. That's better. Y'all, y'all know, I know you want to get to that roast. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that's interesting to me. There was no youth camp, no youth convention, no, no support raised by Pharaoh's daughter. We don't, we don't know her name. Theologians are guessing about her name, but there's some historical reference, but nobody knows her name. I'm sure that Moses would be walking around town and got to a point, hey, hey, Moses. I mean, she named him. She called his name Moses. Hey, Moses. Hey, you're the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There came a time that Moses said, no, I'm not. I mean, you drink Egyptian water, you drive an Egyptian car, you go to an Egyptian school, everybody around you is Egyptian. Your mom is Egyptian. But there came a time that Moses said, "Uh uh-uh. I got another mama, and she's not an Egyptian, and she's taught me the ways of God. She has taught me, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. She has taught me to fear the Lord. She has taught me to keep the commandments. I may look like I'm Egyptian, but deep down in my soul, I am not an Egyptian. Jehochabed didn't just build Moses an ark. She built greatness for him. She poured into him the commandments of the law, the commandments of God. She set him up to succeed. 
And I want to tell you here this morning, if you got a mother like that, you need to thank God every day for somebody that has prayed over you, somebody that has fasted over you, somebody that has wept over you, somebody that has put the Word of God in your spirit. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. I, I, I want you to grasp the significance of that. Of being raised his whole life in Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh's school, Pharaoh's system. But because of Jehoshaphat, there came a time that he said, That's, let me break it down. It's like, you ain't my mama. My mother is Jehoshaphat. My mother placed me in the Nile River. My mother trusted God when it seemed like it was impossible and her back was against the wall. She placed me into the sweet and bitter providence of a good and faithful God. My mother is a warrior of the faith. My mother put this in me. She instilled this in me. And I want to tell you, if you're here and you have any kind of religious context and orientation, there is another mother and it is called the church of the living God. And it don't matter what's going on in this crazy world that we are living in. There's a shooting this week and a shooting. I want to tell you, we are not Egyptians. We are the people of God. We are the called out assembly. We are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. We are not Egyptians. We are, the musicians can come. We are here, pastor. We are exiles here. You, you're waiting for some utopia. It's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Well, once we get this president or that president, it's going to be better. You're, you're delusional. It's delusion. You think that this world somehow is all of a sudden going to be the Garden of Eden. It's not. Listen to me. It's not. It's not going to get better. And I'm a faith preacher. And I got a lot of that from that man right there. But it's not going to get better in this life. Yes, we're going to have revival. Yes, we're going to baptize 20 a week. Yes, we're going to have people filled with the Spirit. You know why? Because God said it was going to happen in the last days. When you see God pouring out his spirit, it's because we're living and breathing in the last days and we're waiting on the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you fall in love with this world or its systems or its houses or its cars. You are not an Egyptian. You're never supposed to be an Egyptian. Pharaoh's daughter is not your mother. Lift your hands all over this house. (laughs) 
have a, you know what? I'm trying to be what I'm preaching to you. Hear me? Listen to me. I know what time it is. I'm first generation. My mother, my father, my grand, none of them were, none, none, none of them were in, none of them had been born again of water and spirit. I'm, fir, I'm first, first, okay, first. I don't have a pedigree. I don't have some religious lineage. I don't have it all. I'm first, okay? I'm trying to preach into you what I wanted for myself. I'm trying to preach something that will affect your children and your children's children. And I know we got a lot of first generation people. You go to Houston, you go over some of those churches in the South, you'll see four or five Pentecostals deep, four, four generations deep, great grandfather, grandfather, father and son. We, we don't have a lot of that. We got maybe a, a few in this building, but I'm trying to preach something into you. I'm not just up here preaching to preach. I'm trying to impart to you a truth. I'm trying to take this word and these timeless principles that are bigger than time. They're outside of time. They fill time and space. This living word and I'm trying to deposit and impart that into you so you can impart that to your family and your children. And the reason I'm preaching like this with, with this kind of passion and this kind of urgency is a couple of, couple of reasons. Number one, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. And the day of the Lord is at hand. The day of the Lord is at hand. And if we don't go by way of the rapture, some of us are going to go by the way of the grave. And I'm going to tell you, pastor's leaving it all on the field today. I'm not going to go home and wonder if I had enough energy or if I had anything left. And some of you moms and some of you dads need to get serious about putting things in your kids and the love of God and the principles of God. You are not an Egyptian. That's not your mama. I'm a stranger, Dana. I'm an alien. I'm a sojourner. I'm never going to fit in in this world. And I'm not trying to. It's like putting a triangle in a square box. I'm not supposed to. Fitting. Why? You know why? Because Israeli Hebrew blood was on the inside of Moses. He's never going to be Pharaoh's daughter. It's impossible. And the Bible said by faith, Moses refused. Refuse what? Oh, Kalades. All that draped everywhere. The finest teachers. The finest pilots. Moses said No. That's not for me. I'm going to choose God instead of the trappings of this present world. I'm going to choose God. Because she's not my mama. And I'm preaching to somebody today. Don't fall in love with what you see here and now. Jerusalem which is above all, is the mother of us all. I want you to stand right now, raise your hands all across this house. 
I didn't anticipate this message going this way, but I feel, I feel an impartation in my spirit. I feel an uh, unction from God that God is reaching through generational boundaries that something is going to be imparted. You are not an Egyptian. You are not made to be an Egyptian. You are not made to think like an Egyptian. No, no, no. There's got to be more to life than just this, than the car I drive or the suits I wear or the house that I live in. There has got to be more to life than this. And I tell you, there is more. There is a God that reaches through generations that is in this building today. I want you to raise your hands. We're getting ready to sing. And I'm going to ask all the moms, spiritual moms, mother figures, mother roles, biological moms. I'm going to ask, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to ask all the women to come and stand in this altar. All the women come stand in this altar right now. You say, I'm not a mother. You're, 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 you can be a mother to someone. You can speak truth to someone. You might not be a biological mom, but you're a mom to somebody, somebody in the church, somebody at your school, somebody at your job that's looking for a role model and an example, somebody that needs to learn how to pray, needs to learn how to read the Bible, needs to learn more about you. You are... I'm going to pray over here in just a couple of minutes. I really, I feel like the Lord is doing something in our church and on this day. I know it's a special day and we want you to get flowers and take pictures with the balloons, do all of that. But I want you to do the most important thing today. I'm asking you, do the most important thing. And that is, God, what are you what are you depositing in me? What are you putting in me? I'm not living in this world just for my own sake, but I'm living in this world for, for others. And some of you don't even know what I'm getting ready to say, but some of the greatest revivals and the greatest experience in God were led by women. Some of the churches right now that have been established all across the country started in a women's Bible study. They started in a women's prayer meeting. I want to tell you, you're powerful. You're uniquely gifted by God that's different. And I want something from God to be deposited into your spirit today. I want there to become a strength on you and a renewal that comes over you, a refreshing that comes from the Lord, that God gives you power and ability to fulfill the call and the purpose of God in your life, for your families and those that are around you. In Jesus' name. Now, right now, I want you to raise your hands right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God, these mothers, these women, God, that are in this altar, I pray that the hand of the Lord is on them.
I pray the strength of God. I come against the adversity. I come against every attack of the enemy that wages war on their soul and their identity in the name of Jesus. Come on, you men, stretch your hands. 